0: Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at
1: ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease.
2: Hello. Many apologies for the brief hiatus. Life overtook my artistic ambitions last week. Duty called like a bugle so here's a new section that has a jingle but not a title so for now it's the section the section where i say thanks to some notable people on the past seven days and which will bear a better title when i get the chance to sit down think of why. First up, thank you to Isabel Abraham, who wrote perhaps the most glowingest review I've ever read of the Attabul Clarence podcast over yonder on Stitcher. Love you, Stitcher, crazy application. Anyway, thank you, Isabel. Have a pair of Canterbury's.
0: Canterbury, Canterbury.
2: Secondly, one sick puppy from the Dead as Hell horror podcast has not only been in touch over the past week, but has appeared on the Tangent Bound podcast rapidly evangelizing about this show and in particular the Universe of Horrors special. If any of you listen To the Dead as Hell podcast, then you will know that One Sick Puppy is one of those super horror aficionados that you want on your side. He really knows his stuff, and for him to be out there fighting my corner is a great, great honour. Dead as Hell is a fantastic podcast, and one that I cannot recommend highly enough. So if you're a fan of the genre, and you like it a little hardcore, then rush and subscribe to that. Joshua Skinner over at the website took the time to put a very nice comment about the secret history of Hollywood. You didn't have to do that, Joshua Skinner, but you're very excellent for having done so. I fling a Canterbury into your waiting hands. Canterbury. And finally, a big fist bump to Bagwant Sagu, whose name I'm sure I've just verbally massacred. I do apologize if that is the case. Thank you for your wonderful email. It's very much appreciated. That, that is the end of life,
0: I wear the cleanest clothes in town, so does my family. And yours can too, cause all you do is use T-I-D-E. Time gets clothes cleaner than any soap. Any soap? Yes, any soap. You get the cleanest wash in town with T-I-D-E time. Good grief. Say,
2: you'd like to get the cleanest wash in town, wouldn't you? I would, yes, but last time I used Tide, it gave me a rash. Is that normal? Sure, and Tide will give it to you every time.
0: Tide gets
2: cleaner than any soap. Any soap? Yes, any soap. You
3: get
0: the cleanest wash in town with T-I-D-E Tide. Okay, so
3: if you...
2: T-I-D-E Tide. If you remember... With so, if you remember last week, we were trying to solve the riddle of other regions. I had a couple of emails from people who didn't hear their countries mentioned last week and therefore must be living in other regions. I like this one from Ragnar. In Iceland. Hello, Adam. I heard you talk the other day about places in the world from where your listeners are. And as Iceland wasn't mentioned, that must mean that we are in other regions. Could you please speak to the administrator to make him change Iceland into its own country? Love your show, especially when you have failed, Monk.
0: You have failed, Monk.
2: From Ragnar. The administrator, eh? Sounds like something from The Matrix. I will pass on your email to the relevant people, Ragnar, and hopefully together we will reclaim Iceland from other regions. I like the name Ragnar. Sounds like a type of wool or a musical genre. Another email from Euphemia, who writes, It is creepy for me to be in other regions. It makes us sound like we we live in hell. (laughs) Who should put us in... Other regions. I listened to all your shows from Euphemia in Lyon, Spain. I thought Lyon was in France. Then again, I thought Hertz van Rental was a Dutch painter. So here's a funky little earworm for the summer.
0: Every second someone takes it for the miseries of a cold. Millions more take bromoquinine. Every second someone takes it for the miseries of a cold.
2: Bromoquinine. Song of the summer, I guarantee.
0: More people have taken more bromoquinine cold tablets for more complete relief than any other cold tablet ever sold. You could take aspirin or other single-action cold remedies all day and not get Bromoquinine's more complete relief.
2: Pretty sure you will die if you do that, though.
0: Bromoquinine works to relieve
1: stuffy nose, body aches, fever, irregularity, the blues, and headache. Remember, every
0: second someone takes it for the miseries of a cold. Millions more take Bromoquinine. Every second someone takes it for the miseries of a cold. Promo-
2: That's going to be massive in Ibiza. So, superheroes are ever so popular in cinemas at the moment, aren't they? We have release schedules for superhero movies stretching far into the end of this decade. Every summer from here on in is dominated by men and women in suits facing their mightiest foes, inevitably confronting their darkest fears and whatever. It always climaxes with a big punch-up. The concept of superheroes at the cinema is a remarkably old one, though. Perhaps older than you may realize. It goes back farther than Batman in the 80s or even Superman in the 70s. All the way back in the 1920s, Hollywood was turning out the adventures of many a superhero, albeit in a slightly different way. Because back in those days, when a visit to the cinema wasn't just an occasional treat but a weekly habit, Movie Land came up with a wonderful invention known as the serial. Serials were a genius innovation. A story could be broken into a dozen or more parts and screened weekly at cinemas because the bill in those days consisted of many elements. You'd have a newsreel, a musical performance, a cartoon, an educational film, and then a serial, followed by a second-tier film known as the B-movie, and then the main attraction, your A-movie, your Casablanca, or your King Kong. The serial would bring the continuing adventures of an intrepid hero, week in and week out, to dazzled audiences of millions. Each episode would be a breathless series of fights, flights and spandex tights, as the hero fought his way from cliffhanger to cliffhanger, each week seemingly doomed by a runaway train or an exploding plane as they tried to put an end to the villainous plans of, insert name here... The ridiculously impossible cliffhangers would keep audiences talking all week and coming back like crazy. Everyone wanted to know how the hero would escape the crashing plane or the burning house. It was a remarkably clever way of ensuring audiences would return to cinemas week after week. And superheroes, those eternally endangered, larger than life characters, were a perfect fit for the serial. In 1943, Batman arrived on cinema screens.
0: High atop one of the hills which ring the teeming metropolis of Gotham City, a large house rears its bulk against the dark sky. Outwardly, there's nothing to distinguish this house from many others. But deep in the cavernous basements of this house, in a chamber hewn from the living rock of the mountain, is the strange, dimly lighted, mysteriously secret Bat's Cave hidden headquarters of America's number one crime fighter, Batman. Yes, Batman, clad in the somber costume which has struck terror to the heart of many a swaggering denizen of the underworld. Batman, who even now is pondering the plans of a new assault against the forces of crime, a crushing blow against evil in which he will have the valuable aid of his young two-fisted assistant, Robin the Boy Wonder.
2: Batman was already a huge success in comics right from his inception in 1939 and his creators Bob Kane and Bill Finger spent the first few years retooling their hero who began as a very hard-boiled pulp detective who had no trouble dispensing lethal justice to deserving villains. Things were slightly different by 1943. Robin had been introduced and Batman wasn't killing bad guys anymore. His secret identity had been established, as well as most of the elements that we know today. Well, Columbia bought the rights to make a serial based on the character. And with the Second World War in full swing, it was only natural that they pitted him against America's enemies. So the Batman you get in this serial is a government agent instead of a lone vigilante, partly because it was very fashionable to have America's enemies as the bad guys, and partly because they just couldn't get the idea of a lone vigilante past the censors. (laughs) The story you end up with might seem a little racist today, but this was made smack bang in the middle of the Second World War, where anti-Japanese sentiment was rife and pretty much approved by almost everyone.
0: This was part of a foreign land transplanted bodily to America and known as Little Tokyo. Since a wise government rounded up the shifty-eyed Japs, it has become virtually a ghost street.
2: The villain in this multi-part story is Dr. Daka, a Japanese agent, played by J. Carol Nash, who wasn't much good at Japanese accents.
0: I am Dr. Daka, humble servant of his majesty Hirohito, heavenly ruler and prince of the rising sun. By divine destiny, my country shall destroy the democratic forces of evil in the United States to make way for the new order, an order that will bring about the liberation of the enslaved people of America.
2: 1943's Batman is a little different from the Batman we know today. (laughs) For instance, the costume has a couple of notable differences. The bat ears look like a couple of carrots, and the whole suit looks very sheer. Perhaps it was quite hot in 1943. It looks very lightweight, and there is a noticeable sag around the bottom. Obviously very comfortable, though. And they seem to be wearing dishwashing gloves. But, hey, at least they're not leaving any fingerprints. The Batmobile is very slightly different. It's basically just a car. Looks a bit like a taxi. But I think that's a good thing. It's uh, less conspicuous. The Batcave is... (laughs) ...farther less awe-inspiring than recent versions. It's essentially a cave with a desk in it. And Batman sits there at his desk with his head propped up on both fists, staring at a wall of... Nothing. But this was where the Bat Cave originated. So you have to give it some credit. It was invented for this serial and appeared in the comics from here on in. Batman enters the Batcave via a secret passage through the grandfather clock in Wayne Manor. And secret passageways around the manor itself became the norm after this. And before this serial, Alfred the Butler in the comics was very overweight. He's played here by William Austin, who was very tall and thin and rather distinguished, and his portrayal was so resonant that his image became the one that all future Alfreds would be based on. (laughs) There are some great punch-ups in this thing every episode has a brawl and instead of punch, return punch, repeat, you have quite inventive little touches like Robin ducking and the baddie punching the wall and breaking his hand. The whole serial is actually quite thrilling stuff. In the first part alone you have ray guns, explosions, suicides, murders, car chases, an almighty punch up and at the end you have Batman being thrown off a building and hurtling towards his death. Literally, it ends with him falling through the air to his doom. How will he survive the fall? I've seen it, (laughs) and I guarantee you will not guess. (laughs) I almost fell off my chair from laughing. In 1965, it was re-released two theaters as one movie trimmed down and tightened up and it was such a hit that it directly inspired the batman television series of the 60s which was a spoof of this serial very high camp and very tongue-in-cheek
0: hand me down the shark repellent bat spray a routine question have you recently sold any war surplus submarines and if so to whom salt and corrosion the infamous old enemies of the crime fighter
2: people often wonder why the 60s television show chose to spoof the character of batman well it didn't it spoofed this serial and that's the key you're not getting hard-boiled batman here this is like watching the dress rehearsal for the 60s batman anyway if you're a batman fan You should check it out. It's not the brooding, moody Batman we have today, but hey, any story in which a bad guy is killed by falling into a pit of crocodiles is all right with me. The second serial I want to tell you about is The Adventures of Captain Marvel.
0: Let what reposes behind this stone remain hidden from the eyes of mankind. secret of the scorpion dynasty must lie beyond this wall. Perhaps it would be wise not to learn what that secret is.
2: This is the story of Billy Batson, a young radio broadcaster who goes along on an archaeological expedition to Siam where the diggers accidentally disturb the mysterious tomb of the golden scorpion and awake a fearful curse from ancient times. But their blunder also awakens the ancient wizard Shazam, who bestows upon Billy Batson a rather remarkable set of superpowers so that he can fight the ancient threat.
0: So long as the Golden Scorpion may fall into the hands of selfish men, it is the duty of Captain Marvel to protect the innocent from its evil use. But who is Captain Marvel? You are, my son. All that is necessary is to repeat my name. Shazam! by its repetition, you will become Captain Marvel. And take on the virtues you see recorded there. The wisdom of Solomon, the strength of Hercules, the stamina of Atlas, the power of Zeus, the great courage of Achilles, and the of Mercury.
2: Captain Marvel, although slightly second tier these days, was actually the most popular superhero of the 1940s. His comic books outsold even Superman by some margin. And so this serial, which hit theatres in 1941, was an absolute mega hit. It's not hard to see why either. Whereas most serials were kind of cheap and mainly revolved around detective stories or westerns, this one had very high production values and made superb use of stock footage from other films. The war scenes at the beginning are taken from a film called Storm Over Bengal, but you wouldn't know, they're superbly intercut. Also, there's no shortage of Captain Marvel appearances. He gets to come out and play at least once in every episode, and it's always at that moment where you want him the most. When the plane is hurtling towards the ground or when the room is filling up with gas, Billy will look to the heavens and cry. It absolutely flies between action scenes. You'll never be waiting longer than two minutes between every fight or suspense sequence, and they're punctuated by some rather slick plotting, so it never gets boring. Like Batman, it's extremely camp. The villain of the piece, the Scorpion, basically looks like a clansman. Not the most imaginative of costumes. He's sort of draped in a velvety hood ensemble with big gold cartoon scorpions on it. Kind of looks like the sort of dressing gown a BG might wear. Also, the incredibly powerful and devastatingly lethal contraption that belongs to the Scorpion is hidden behind a tiny pair of little chintzy curtains. Anyway, doesn't matter because it's easy to look past the little imperfections when the big picture is so beautifully painted. I don't know if you guys are as old as me, I was born in the 70s and when I was growing up in the school holidays, TV programming would change so that the kids would be entertained while they were off school. By the time we got back to school, we had new heroes. One of them was Batman. They used to show the 60s television series every morning. One was Superman. They showed lots of the George Reeves television show, but by far, the one that had everyone the most excited when they returned to school was Rocket Man.
0: I was thinking how astonished Professor Grafner will be when he sees this. You know, he was convinced you were insane to try to build an atomic-powered rocket suit. And I guess he thought I was even crazier for helping you. Well, here it is. I hope it works. We'll soon know. I'll take it with me and test it for you. Well, stay close to the ground for the first few flights. There still may be a few adjustments to be made.
2: Right. On the first day back at school, there was not one kid who didn't have a cardboard breastplate with drawn-on buttons and dials, and we would all be running around the playground with our arms out, flying around and beating up gangsters and investigating crimes. There were a few Rocketman serials, but the one I always remember is King. Of the rocket man. This tells the tale of Jeff King, who's given a rocket backpack, an aerodynamic helmet, and a ray gun in order to fight evil genius Dr. Vulcan, who's been assassinating the science associates, an elite group of government scientists, one by one.
0: Wait, Professor Millard, you've been working too hard. Life isn't worth it. Your life. Remember poor Professor Drake and Kenyon and Bennett? The papers said their deaths were accidental, but you didn't believe that, did you? You've begun to suspect more than is good for you, or for me. Now we shall see what the papers say about your death.
2: I have to preface this by telling you that this is my favourite serial ever. This is absolutely brilliant, there is just so much to love. First off, it gets straight into the action. The moment the credits finish rolling at the beginning of part one, we see a shadowy villain assassinating a series of scientists. And within minutes, we're watching Rocket Man flying through the air, trying to take down a missile that's headed for a major city. The cliffhangers are outstanding. In one, he gets knocked out next to a crate of explosives that's on fire. He's literally slumped next to it, and it goes off in his face. The whole place goes up in a flash, but come the next part we discovered that even though we watched him slumped next to the exploding crate, he actually came to and got away just before it went up. The mystery of Dr. Vulcan's identity is fantastically done, Too, you will be guessing until the very end as to his secret identity. The
0: day before that lab explosion, Professor Millard hinted that he was close to naming someone who calls himself Dr. Vulcan. Millard believed this person was guilty of stealing secrets from science associates and was responsible for Drake's death. Are you suggesting that one of us is a murderer? I'm merely repeating Professor Millard's words. You seem to be better informed than the rest of us, Jeff. Suppose you investigate the matter for us in a special capacity.
2: There are punch-ups galore, countless car chases, some quite unbelievable stunt work, some brilliant special effects, and a wickedly twisty little plot. Also, it's pretty harsh. In episode 9, a character gets executed as he's lying on the floor and every episode ends with a seemingly impossible conundrum for the heroes from molten lava to a rain of bullets in the face. Yes, in the face! I will not have anyone saying anything bad about Rocketman. It's a fleet of fun. In fact, it is an admiralty of fun. I love everything about it, from the fact that Rocketman wears a fully tailored suit and tie underneath the Rocket Man costume, to the fact that the Rocket Pack chest control only has three dials. One for up and down, one for on and off, and one for slow and fast. No left and right, one assumes that you did that part with your arms. Also, there aren't many films, let alone serials, who have enough courage or enough of a budget to go through with a supervillain's master plan. In King of the Rocket Men, Dr. Vulcan actually destroys New York City. I can't say enough good things. It's super, super, super stuff. It's going to be this week's film club choice, so do yourselves a favour and go on over to attaboyclouds.com and check it out.
0: When a gang of foreign agents plot to kill the leading scientists of the world, Jeff King, thunderbolt of the air, wrecks their plans by his heroic action. at
2: So, there were lots of radio shows to choose from this week because there were a lot of superheroes back in the golden age and almost all of them had a radio show. The problem was finding a superhero show that had good standalone episodes, because most of them were similar to Republic Serial. Long stories stretched over multiple episodes and all ending in a massive cliffhanger. Superman, for example. Great stuff, especially if you're listening week after week, but not really a fit for this show, unfortunately. There was one superhero, though, who not only enjoyed a dazzling run of standalone episodes, but who perhaps more than any other hero of the period belongs to the Golden Age in particular. I'm speaking, of course, about The Shadow. The Shadow actually began as the narrator of a series of radio programs entitled Detective Story Hour. But he soon became so popular that he became the star of a series of pulp comics in 1931 entitled The Shadow Magazine. And by 1937, he'd become such a hit that the magazine's stories were transcribed to radio. Since then, he's also popped up on television, in serials, in at least five movies, the latest of which was made in 1994. The Shadow's superpower was that he was able to cloud men's minds and therefore trick them into not being able to see him. Using this power, he was able to essentially turn himself invisible to everyone and move unseen through the belly of the city, preventing and solving crime. His most famous alter ego was Lamont Cranston, a wealthy playboy, and he was regularly assisted by the glamorous Margot Lane, a snappy socialite, and Shrevy, a wise-cracking cabbie who acts as the Shadow's wheels. Anyway, the story I've picked for you tonight is a classic of not only the Shadow's tales, but also of Detective Radio itself. This is a cunning little story in which the Shadow finds himself hunted by the police after a series of robberies are committed by an invisible thief. And its name is The Little Man Who Wasn't There. A really clever little tale with an ingenious solution. I do hope
1: you enjoy it. Who knows what? lurks in the hearts of men. The shadow knows. <laughs> the three great Linux home brighteners, Linux clear gloss varnish, Linux cream polish, and Linux self-polishing wax created by Acme, America's great producer of fine Acme quality paints, bring you the thrilling adventures of the shadow, the hard and relentless fight of one man against the forces of evil. Millions of American homemakers have discovered how Chemtone, the miracle wall finish, keeps their walls fresh and lovely. Now they're discovering how the 3 great Linux home brighteners bring sparkling cleanliness to furniture, woodwork, and floors. Linux clear-gloss varnish gives lustrous, longer-lasting protection to every wood and linoleum surface. Linux cream polish renews the sleek, gleaming beauty of fine furniture. And Linux self-polishing wax lends rich, satiny loveliness to any floor, wood, linoleum, or tile. Take the modern shortcut to new home beauty with the three great Linux home brighteners. You'll find them all at your hardware, paint, or department store. Your headquarters also for Chemtone, the miracle wall finish. The Shadows Intermission at the Opera A glittering crowd circulates through the foyer and promenades up and down the great golden staircase this is the final week of the city's most glamorous music scene.
3: What an intermission,
1: Lamar. Better show than the one on the stage, Margot.
3: Oh, look, there's Nancy Hale. Where? Just starting down the stairs. She's wearing the Hale diamond tonight. Golly, what a lot. <laughs> it
1: must feel like a tombstone around her neck. <laughs> Come on.
3: Come on, she's so long. No, Oh, no, she seems to be fighting. Fighting? We're
1: not going to her. Stop on of me. Well, let's lend
3: her hand, Margot.
1: Here, get
3: her. Get her. Get it away from me, for heaven's sake.
1: Easy, Miss Hale. You're all right.
3: What happened? Some someone, something attacked me. There's something I couldn't see. I... Oh! Oh, Miss Hale. That diamond. The diamond handed. It's gone. It's been stolen by that invisible... Come hey. on, look. Oh. There's, there's a card on the chair. Oh. There's something written No, there. wait a minute. What does it say?
1: Ah, it's addressed to Miss Hale. It says, compliments of the little man who wasn't there. of a little man. Now listen, Cranston, it's bad enough. I have to hang around opera houses at midnight. Don't play games. Who's playing games, Commissioner? We've given you the true story of what happened to Miss Hale.
3: What's this little man routine... You've forgotten your nursery rhymes, Commissioner. Uh, I'd
1: like to forget the headache I've got right now.
3: There was a rhyme that went... Last night I saw upon the stair a little man who wasn't there. He wasn't there again today. My gosh, I wish he'd go away. The last
1: line expresses my sentiments to a a T. He did go away, Commissioner, with Miss Hale's diamond in his hand. And you saw him rob the woman? We didn't see him. He's invisible, I tell you. Look, I'll tell uh, you exactly what we saw. Margo, will, will you go up the stairs, start coming down the same way Miss Hale did?
3: Do I have to?
1: Oh, now, go ahead. No one will bite you. Well,
3: maybe the little man will. I'm wearing a couple of bracelets at my...
1: Now, watch closely, Commissioner. Ah. Nancy Hale started down the steps at that point. We were watching her. She was all right on the upper step. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is a nightmare. I'm dreaming. Invisible crook. When Miss Hale reached the step Margo's on, the attack. <coughs> uh, Margot, Miss Lane!
3: Oh, my, oh, my gosh. Oh, what a scare
1: I am. Oh, what a scare we had. What happened? Mm-hmm. not the little man again. I-, I
3: thought at first that it was, but, but I guess I just tripped.
1: Ah, I'm glad you're all right. Well, there you are, Commissioner. That's the way it happened. Fine. Some little guy out of Mother Goose that nobody can see starts to steal diamonds, and I'm supposed to catch him. Well, where do I begin? I don't know, Commissioner. Oh, I only hope the little man doesn't try another invisible crime. If he does, I'm going back to kindergarten. Well, stock exchange was dull this morning. Yeah. Did you read about the Hale Diamond last night? Oh. The invisible guy at the opera? Vance. No such thing as an invisible man. Oh, you think so, huh? Oh, wait a minute. There's Carter Gates. Where? Well, he's coming down the stairs from the balcony. He uh-huh. was the opera last night. We last came... Get away from me! Huck!
3: Away, sir! Come in, please. Let me alone!
1: Gates took a farm. It's locked. Nothing. Look, he's fighting. Fighting Help. out of the air. Yeah! Oh. Come on, Get him away! Come on,
3: let's give him a hand, yeah. Did you see him? Did anyone see him?
1: Let's well, see who Gates. To my wallet. Go on, take it out of my pocket Ten thousand dollars in American bonds oh, stolen. See, there's the Invisible Man again. Hey, there's a car there in the steps. Yeah, right. take a look. Let me see it. Well, it's addressed to you, Mister Gates. What? The compliments of the little man who wasn't there. Well, that hand. There isn't the show up out there where it's smash Joey. Wait till they get an eye for of Monica Joyce. She'll lay in the aisles. Honey, you listen to Uncle. Do like I do. Stick to musicals. Let the long hairs drop their dough on his Shakespeare.
3: Here comes Monica out of the dressing
1: room. Hey, say, James, get off of the stairs. Miss Joyce's coming down. Then, Joey, she's there in real. Are you kidding us at a McCoy, baby? 200 grand in emeralds. Oh. If the house don't go for her, they go for the ice. <laughs> hey, Joey. Stop,
3: stop it. Joey, she the brody from Joey! Holy smokes. I do What are you go. doing? Fighting
1: at these punching at the air. Me help. Joe got the whole Okay. Miss George. Monica, honey,
3: are you okay, kid? What happened? <sighs> the invisible man. Joey, my embo, huh? He's gone. He took him. Oh, for the lover. Hey, Monica, I guess
1: he dropped this card here. It's got your name on it. What's it say? Compliments at a little man who wasn't there. Morning,
3: good morning, Mr. Weston.
1: What's good about it? Uh-oh, better turn around and run for it, Margo. The commissioner looks pretty powerful. What you see on my face is eight hours sleep I didn't get. You heard about the little man? That's
3: why we're here.
1: Yesterday afternoon at the stock exchange. Last night at the new musical show. It's driving me nuts. The invisible criminal. Maybe you need an invisible police department to catch him. Very funny. I'm laughing. Ha-ha. <laughs> I am laughing i was not joking. Oh, well, then go ahead. I'd like to know how I'm supposed to hire an invisible detective. I was going to suggest calling him the Shadow. The Shadow? That's the obvious solution, isn't it? Use an invisible man to catch an invisible man? What you're suggesting is to set a thief to catch himself. I don't understand. Cranston, I've just about made up my mind. Our little man is our old friend, the Shadow. Oh, no. Yes, I've been afraid of this for a long time. The Shadow's the only man who knows the secret of invisibility. He's always been outside the law. Now he's really gone in for crime.
3: That's impossible.
1: How do you know, Miss Lane?
3: Well, I I just feel that the Shadow couldn't turn crook.
1: He couldn't. Well, your heart's in the right place, Miss Lane, but your brain works wrong. It's the Shadow I know. He's always been a potential danger to law and order. Now the danger's turned real. And I'm going to get him if it's the last thing I do. You've got to let us help with this case, Commissioner. No, you better not, Cranston. The shadow's dynamite. For your own good, stay out of the way. Mm, Thanks for the tip. I can't understand it,
3: Lamar. Another man in the city who knows the secret of invisibility... An invisible crook. Awful.
1: Yeah, it sure is a mess.
3: Well, what are you going to do?
1: Well, the obvious. Clear the shadow's name. And how? By catching the little man who wasn't there.
3: Any ideas?
1: Well, I'm depending on you to help a little. How? You know uh, Nancy Hale, don't you? Yes. Well, I'd like to meet her, speak to her. Maybe she can give us a lead on the little man. The sooner the shadow meets him, the better.
3: Of you to try to help, Mr. Cranston, but I'm afraid it's useless.
1: You can't tell me anything about the little man?
3: Think, Nancy. I've tried, but I can't. I I was too frightened to notice anything.
1: And have you talked to the others who were robbed? Monica Joy and Carter Gates? I don't know them. Well, do you think the little man might be a friend of yours in real life?
3: I don't know that either. Sometimes I think yes, other times no.
1: Isn't there any lead at all you can give us? Any point which might account for the fact that the little man singled out you and the other two?
3: I'm sorry, but I can't think of a thing.
1: Miss Hale, was your necklace insured? Well, yes,
3: of course, gave Gabriel Hodge.
1: Hmm. Well, that might lead to something. What a Top
3: floor of the Cannon Building, but you don't think that Mr. Hodge is... Well,
1: I can't the... answer that question, Miss Hale. I'm hoping Mr. Hodge can. Come on, Margo. Let's go talk insurance. In, come in, Mr. Cranston. Come in, Miss Lane. Oh, thanks, Mr. Hodge. Well, sit down, won't you? Pardon me if I don't get up. I'm pretty well stuck behind my desk from nine to five. Arthritis. Sorry to hear it.
3: Well, this is a lovely office to be stuck in, Mr. Hodge. Sun streaming through the window, lots of fresh
1: air. Yes, yes. Well, now, Mr. Cranston, what can I do for you? Something about insurance I presume. In a way. Seems like everyone's taking an interest in insurance since that little flurry of the past few days. The little man who wasn't there. Yes, just so, exactly. That's the reason we're here, Mr. Hodge. Really? Go on. I understand that you insured Nancy Hale's necklace. Well, that's right. As a matter of fact, I insured all three of the people who were robbed. For what amount? Well, now, sorry, that's confidential. I see. Well, when you insured them, did you take down a description of the articles in question? Well, that is... Mary. Well, did you also learn when, where, and how the insured articles were carried? Exactly what are you driving at, Mr. Cranston? One point, Mr. Hodge. These three people were robbed on stairways. It was a feature of the crime. How did the little man know he could catch each of them on a stairway wearing or carrying a stolen article? You know, that brings up an interesting point. Now now listen to this, Mr. Cranston. Listen, mm-hmm. This will interest you. All three... Hodge.
3: Mr. But... Mr. Cranston, I... <laughs> Oh. Oh. He's dead. Lamont, that shot. He was fired in this room, fired right over my shoulder. Steady, Margot. It's the little man. He's here now. He's in this room, invisible. Whoever you are,
1: wherever you are, speak up. Answer.
3: Lamont, you've got to turn into Quiet, that. Quiet, Margot. Don't move your head. But he's here. He, he may be standing alongside of yeah, us. It looks that way. You know what you've got to do.
1: Margot, do you know what you're asking? It's
3: the only way to get him now.
1: But the secret, it would reveal everything. You've
3: got to do it, Lamont. You've got to. Oh, I know it's the sacrifice. But an invisible crook and murderer terrorizing the city. Killing, stealing. Oh, you've got to stop him now while we've got the chance.
1: Get out of the way, Margot. Shadow. Yes, this is the shadow. Speaking to the little man who wasn't there. I know the trick of invisibility, my friend. I know every hypnotic trick invented in the Orient.
3: Can you see him, Shadow?
1: <laughs> the shadow sees all. The shadow knows all, my friend. It is useless to struggle against the shadow. Here and now, you become visible to men's eyes. You cannot see the shadow, but the shadow will see you now.
3: Shadow. Shadow, can you see him? Who is it? Shadow, answer. Can you see him? Shadow. Shadow. It's
1: no use, Margot. Get to the door quick. I'll open it get through.
3: Lamar, did you...
1: I don't know. He may still be in there. He may be alongside us now. I couldn't see him, Margo. Do you understand what that means? I couldn't see him. Even the shadow couldn't see him. Margo, we're licked. An evening at home is more enjoyable if your home looks its inviting best, and that's just how it does look when you depend on the 3 great Linex home brighteners. Linux self-polishing wax, for example, keeps your floors at their loveliest without tiresome rubbing or polishing and dries to a rich satiny finish that really lasts thanks to its high content of genuine Carnaval wax. The finish may be renewed whenever and wherever you like without re-waxing the whole floor. Also, the underwriter's Laboratories have approved by test, that wood, linoleum, and rubber tile floors are actually less slippery after Linux self-polishing wax has been applied. Always ask for Linux, L-I-N-X, Linux self-polishing wax. You will find all three great Linux home brighteners and chemtone, the miracle wall finish, at hardware, paint, and department stores everywhere. And now, back once again to the adventures of The Shadow. Now well, this is a fine mess You notice the size of that bullet wound, Cranston? Enormous mm-hmm. Looks like he was killed with a fifty-five caliber slug They don't make a gun that size, Commissioner I know, I know Now, let's get this straight, Cranston the Shadow killed Hodge while you were in the room?
3: It was not the Shadow.
1: Please, Miss Lane, quit carrying the torch to the Shadow. You got any proof he wasn't the killer?
3: Well, no, but you proved he was. Easy. The Shadow's the
1: only invisible man in the world, and that card he drops isn't fooling me. The Shadow is the little man who wasn't there. Think it over. And I'm going to call Cardona. I've got to get that guy. Margot, we're in the worst mess we've ever been in. I,
3: I know, Lamont.
1: Bad enough that the little man has stronger hypnotic powers than the shadow.
3: I can't understand. The
1: thing that's got me panicky is the fact that the little man knows, must know, that the shadow was Lamont Cranston.
3: It was all my fault, Lamont. I shouldn't no, don't have. Forget asked
1: that now, Margot. It wasn't your fault. I'd have done it anyway. The important thing to remember is that we have much time. Time? Yes, yeah, don't understand. We've got an hour or two at the most before the little man checkmates me completely by publishing my secret. No. Yeah, so let's get busy fast. Now, that shot came over your shoulder, right? Uh-huh. Then the little man must have been standing right in front of this open window.
3: Maybe he didn't see him with us. Maybe he climbed in through that window. No, that's what I want to check. Careful with the plant boxes. don't knock them out.
1: No, it's impossible, Margo. No human being could have climbed to the window, either from the roof or any place else. Watch out. out, Lamar. I must have come in with... Oh.
3: Well, now you've done it. There go five hyacinths in a 30-story dog. Hmm.
1: That's very interesting.
3: What's interesting?
1: A piece of grass on the windowsill. Looks like a broken piece of magnifying glass.
3: Magnifying glass? Mm-hmm.
1: Come on, Margot. Hmm? We've got to hustle down to the courtyard under this window. I think I know how hard you're killed. <laughs>
3: Here's the plant box, or what's left of it.
1: I'm not interested in hyacinths. I'm looking for something else. Oh, here we are. Oh, take a look, Margot. Oh,
3: well, that's funny. This looks like a smashed pistol. Right. It's an old-fashioned gun. Right
1: again. The remains of a flintlock pistol. 55 caliber.
3: The one that killed hard? Yes. I don't understand. Why did a little man kill Hodge with an AMP? And why'd he throw it out of the window?
1: Those are a couple of questions for the Shadow to answer. But first, he's got to make a few social calls. The Shadow?
3: Mm-hmm. Making social calls?
1: Social calls that will be strictly business. So brave of you, Nancy, dear,
3: to give this tea. Hello, uh, my dear. Partly, dear. I mean, considering the dreadful experience you had with that ghastly, invisible scene. You're positively gallant, my dear. Very so kind of you to say, sir. Anyone else who hasn't been served yet? You've forgotten
1: me, Miss Hale.
3: So sorry, I really... Who said that?
1: I did, Miss Hale. Where are you? Standing before you. Who are you? The Shadow.
3: The, the man who robbed me on the stairs at the opera.
1: I did not rob you, Miss Hale.
3: But Commissioner Weston said you Commissioner did.
1: Commissioner Weston is mistaken. Shall I prove it to you, Miss Hale?
3: How? How?
1: Meet the shadow on the stage of the opera house tonight at, at midnight. You will meet the little man who wasn't there. And he will return the Hale diamond to you.
3: Impossible.
1: The little man will be there, Miss Hale, and so will the shadow. Until midnight. <laughs> U.S. Borax? 186, up three quarters. Virginia Iron and Steel, 39 and a half. Western Utility, 124 and a half, up a quarter. Oh, no, closing market doesn't look bad. Not bad at all. Would you be interested in a quotation on American bonds, Mr. Gates? Who's that? Well, this is impossible. My office is empty. I must be hearing things. <laughs> oh, that laugh. I... It is The shadow.
3: Oh! Oh,
1: please! Silence, you fool. You're a crook. You're a killer. You murdered Hart. Listen to me, Gates. You're the little man who wasn't there. What do you want from me now? Justice. For who? For the Shadow. What are you talking about? $10,000 in American bonds. Would you like them back, Gates? Like them back? They're mine. Of course I want them. Then the Shadow will strike a bargain with you. One small payment from you, and the bonds will be returned. What payment? Help the Shadow clear his name.
3: You mean you didn't...
1: I don't believe you. Come to the stage of the Opera House tonight at midnight. The little man will be there. You will believe him. How do I know this isn't a trick? Tonight at midnight, Gates, plus the Shadow. The Shadow knows. <laughs> <laughs>
3: i be out in a minute. Got to fix my makeup for the
1: last act. Good evening, Miss Joy.
3: Who's that? Who's in my dressing room? The shadow. But...
1: Don't raise your voice. Don't scream. Listen to the shadow.
3: To a crook and a gunman, not much.
1: Do you want your emeralds back, Miss Joy? What do you mean? You can have them tonight.
3: Extortion, huh? I'm supposed to pay off?
1: No. This is justice.
3: Talk straight.
1: After your performance tonight, come to the stage of the opera house at 12. For what? meet the little man who wasn't there.
3: You're crazy. That's you. And
1: receive your emerald.
3: I don't believe you.
1: Come to the opera stage, Miss Joy, for a performance of the shadow that will astonish you. <laughs> <laughs>
3: what
1: time is it, Marlowe? 5 of 12
3: i to the opera house. I don't know what you're going to do, but I hope it works. I think it will. But the little man is so powerful. You said yourself, even the shadow, and all the tricks he learned in the Orient couldn't make him visible. We'll get him
1: anyway. i hesitation. to stay sure.
3: Is it open? Yes. Well, how's that?
1: Now, don't forget, Lamont Cranston's one of the opera officials. Oh. I made arrangements. I'll go straight through to the stage, Martha.
3: Please tell me what you're going to do, Lamont.
1: Produce the little man who wasn't there. But how? By using his victims as bait.
3: And he'll give them back their jewels and bonds?
1: The shadow will make him.
3: Come on. There's a light
1: up there. Oh, it's just a safe light. It's left on the stage at night. Now, careful now. What do you do? Right here in the and Wait. Oh. Who's we'll
3: he in here? Thank you, for
1: Can you see the orchestra when
3: I was standing? Yes. Yeah. An audience is sitting out there in the darkness. An audience of ghosts. Now, Margot. Never mind, I. What is. Something. A little man? The fate. The three victims. When he gets here, are you sure you can fight him? I mean, is the shadow strong enough? Now,
1: you wait here and see, Margot. Don't show yourself, no matter what happens. Trust the shadow. (laughs) <laughs> is that the shadow? Good evening, Mr. Gates. Good evening, Miss Hale, Miss Joy.
3: we come. We followed your instructions. I tell you, this is a crooked deal. I don't trust him.
1: But you are here. That's the important thing. Little man. Where are you? Standing alongside the stage light. Too bad you can't see me. But no man sees the shadow.
3: He <laughs> shouldn't have come, I tell you. He'll play dirty. Shadow, please, if you can... Wait.
1: Our mutual friend is coming see him?
3: The man's insane.
1: It's the little man walking down the stage toward us. I can't stand it. Look there. He takes your purse, oh, Miss Joy.
3: Take your hands off me.
1: Your wallet, Mr. Gates. Let go of Your bag, Miss Hale.
3: How dare you? Um, what's going on this here? This
1: fantastic. I won't stand for it. And what do we find in them? It's amazing. The little man has slipped your stolen jewels back into your purses. Your diamond, Miss Hale. Diamond. Your emeralds, Miss Joy. Your bonds, Mr. Gage.
3: This is a frame-up. You couldn't have my emeralds. No one could. They were all riding
1: No, no, let her talk. The emeralds were never stolen, hmm? It's all up. He's wise to us, Nancy. Let's get out of here.
3: You're not leaving me mean me here to take the rock, Gates. Get out then. Run quick. No, no, not yet. That's of me. Run, I'll, I'll stop, stop him. stop. me. let Let's go. Get me out of
1: here. Pretending Let's... to fight an invisible man who never existed. Now fight a man who is really invisible. Fight the shadow. Very nice show, Shadow. Very nice indeed. Entertaining and educational. Commissioner Whistler. I'm obliged to you for the confession, Mr. Gates. I was sitting out in the orchestra with the clothes squad enjoying the show. You can quit fighting your throw.
3: was outsmarted by that lousy shadow.
1: Okay, Shadow, I gotta hand it to you. You squirmed out of this rap, all right. But don't think you're in the clear. (laughs) i still got you, brother. It's a small charge, Shadow, but enough to put you away for a while. Long enough for us to look you over and find out what makes you tick. You going to come quietly? Shadow. Hey. Shadow. Gone. Got away again. How do you like that Cardona? Just when I was going to give him 90 days in the clink for giving a public performance without a license.
3: And there never was a little man,
1: Lamont. No, no, Margo. This was a clever ruse worked out by Hale, Gates, and Joy to defraud the insurance company. Each pretended to be robbed by an invisible crook.
3: So they concealed the stolen jewels and bonds themselves.
1: While they pretended to fight the little man.
3: And dropped those cards
1: themselves. Right. Hodge was killed because he knew one important fact. Although each claimed not to know the other, Hodge knew that all three had met in his office. That pointed to collusion. Yes,
3: but how was Hodge killed? No one was in the office?
1: Well, no, that was the cleverest trick of all. That morning, they had the flintlock pistol in the plants on Hodge's windowsill. A magnifying glass was attached to the pistol. The gun was aimed at the chair where Hodge always sat. But how was
3: it fired?
1: By the sun. Concentrated sun rays ignited the powder in the powder pan and fired the pistol. The recoil knocked it out of the window and broke the magnifying glass.
3: So it was just an accident that we happened to be there at the time. Yes. on. You didn't really find the jewels and bonds in their purses and wallets, did you? Oh, I'm
1: afraid not, Margo. The Shadow ferreted them out of their hiding place earlier this evening and then pretended to discover them tonight. It was a psychological punch to frighten them into a slip for confession.
3: Well, it worked. Shadow isn't a criminal anymore. Commissioner Weston said so. And
1: uh, believe you me, I had a tough time persuading him to come to the opera house tonight. I wasn't sure he'd show up until you thought you saw ghosts in the orchestra.
3: It's all over now. Let's forget about it. <sighs> Isn't this nice? Mm. Just diving in the moonlight. Oh,
1: no, no, no. Stop cuddling,
3: Margot.
1: <laughs> Don't you remember what Weston said about the shadow? I'm dynamite.
3: Are you in the moon? Someday I wish you'd prove it. <clears throat>
2: Fantastic old stuff. That was the shadow in the little man who wasn't there. Well, it's been a blast, everyone. I look forward to being with you again next week when we'll be straying back into horror territory. Until then, if you find yourselves with a spare minute or six, it'd mean the world if you would leave an iTunes review for the show. For every iTunes review I receive, I will plant a sapling tree, so do your part for the planet and leave an iTunes review for Attaboy Clarence or The Secret History of Hollywood, or both. Thank you all for joining me this week, and I'll see you... In episode 35. Bye for
0: now.
3: As a long time foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlaz, former Beijing bureau chief for the New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, US versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous US-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts.